please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour, and this week we intend to have a, a discussion about the shootings that have been happening. Uh, when the shooting happened in Chattanooga, we made a decision that you know, this was not really something that we wanted to cover in depth. It wasn't, I mean, news everywhere was, was harping on it, the loss of the lives of the soldiers, the sailors, the Marines, that this these installations in Chattanooga were covered well, and the people turned out in droves for the funerals, and it was what it was. But I'm then tired of covering bad news how about you i i agree especially news that is so over harped on at, at a point you know when we had the story about the people who went out to defend the recruiting centers that seemed like a much better angle on all of this and i was excited to interview there and to get these people on and show that the gun owning community comes out to support our troops that was a fantastic story that story created a big um storm amongst the members yeah. Well, you know, there's always going to be people who don't have quite the same value system. In any organization that has more than two people in it, you're going to have some dissension in the ranks. But in the end, everyone is entitled to their opinion. My opinion is, is that this was a political demonstration. It had real merit to it that these people went out and showed not only support for their troops, but contempt for the administration in a way that was glorious and, and well thought out. And at the end of the show i'm going to go over what kind of change that has possibly brought about yeah so i mean there that was an interesting angle but then on the heels of that i mean we recorded that show talking to some of the people who had been at these recruiting centers on tuesday thursday night there's another shooting and we we had the opportunity to come in and re-record over last week's show to talk about the shooting but we decided that that the people who had stood vigil at the recruiting centers deserved their airtime. They and did. I yeah. didn't want to take that away from them and the good work they had done. So here we are a week later talking about now the shooting in Lafayette, Louisiana at, at a theater. And the story is, is that a gentleman in his late 50s entered a theater uh, to a showing of the movie Trainwreck. Uh, pulled a gun, started firing, killed two people, injured several others, and then turned the gun on himself and committed suicide. Now, the reports were that he bought the firearm in February of, what, 2014? 2014. And that he, one of the articles I read said that he had purchased it legally, quote-unquote, at the time. Mm-hmm. But now, looking back, it wasn't a legal sale because he should have checked the box on the 4471 that 4473. said... 4473. 4473, I'm sorry, that said that he had been involuntarily committed. Yeah, I, I don't know if he has been or not. There's been... I've seen conflicting reports, and that's the thing. We, we're a week after this shooting incident, and there's still conflicting reports on every aspect of it, and no one seems to know what on earth is going on. Well, see, what I don't understand here is is if you understand the, the process of being involuntarily committed, uh, a family member or someone or an organization or whatever gets your information, and they say, well, this person is a danger to themselves or others. They talk to you. They, they hear your line of thinking. They see signs that you may be interested in hurting yourself or someone else. And they go and they get a, a, usually an order or a, it's almost like a warrant 
from a magistrate judge to take you in for for a mental evaluation and observation. Now, if you're not mentally ill, what happens then is doctors talk to you, a couple social workers talk to you. They realize you're all right and that somebody was messing with you, and they let you go. And this doesn't go on your record. However, if they deem you are mentally unstable and that you're a danger to yourself or others, then they they put you into a secure um, holding facility for, for mentally ill patients where you can't leave. And they give you a hearing within 72 hours or three days, typically, is the time period. Um, at that time, sometime within those three days, a judge orders that you stay there. And then that is put into your criminal record. So how are they doing background checks on people and selling them firearms and searching the criminal record and not finding these committals? Well, what I'm going to argue is that the, what everyone is saying that he had a mental issue was undiagnosed, that he had never been through that entire process and it had never been entered in on his criminal history or um, that there was an oversight. And this is a system that involves humans and human error, and that does happen sometimes. Now, are you going to eliminate human error? No. I don't care how many different forms you put in place or how many different regulations you have. There's always human error. I mean, just look at what the government does on a daily basis. See, and I have a different explanation from the, from the research that I found online thus far is that some states report more of that information to the the backgrounds than others do so if indeed he was committed which we're not really sure if he was or not mm-hmm. depending on what state that was in it may or may not have been in the f information that the nics system syncs up to and that's that's another area that is interesting now I, I worry a lot about the implications of, oh, you know, the mentally ill shouldn't be allowed to have weapons because I see that as being a huge open door for confiscation and regulation far beyond what we're really worried about here. Because yes. then you could just diagnose with anybody with a if, little you, bit of depression and have, say you can never have a gun again. Do you have depression? You can't have a gun. Are you ADHD? You can't have a gun. Does anything you have fall under the DSM-5? Yes, I'm dyslexic. I, I believe that that falls under the DSM-5, but that doesn't make me a danger. It just means I have trouble reading things sometimes. Yeah, I, you know? I, and I see that as being a huge backdoor way to put push things through. And so when they start saying, well, we need to make sure that the mentally ill cannot obtain uh, or and what they're really saying is we think that the mentally ill shouldn't be able to defend themselves. And that's a scary prospect because you know, I think that most people in this society today under the broad I mean and think about the reason that they the created broad spectrums of these disorders. I mean, you can be a little bit bipolar or a lot bipolar, but even if you're a tiny bit of bipolar you may not be able to purchase a firearm, and that would be 98% of society because the only people that don't fall into any of those spectrums are the people that wrote the books on them. Pretty much. and the reason They wrote those books to make themselves sane. Well, the <laughs> reason that they write them so broad is because if you don't have a diagnosis, then you can't do any sort of treatment, and if you don't can't do treatment, then there's nothing to do for people, right? Well, no, so, if you can't do treatment, then the insurance doesn't pay for it with, a diag- with no diagnosis, then they're losing billions of dollars of, of possible medication of people See, I think that we live in a society that's too quick to pop pills for things. Exactly. And when they will diagnose you with whatever disorder and give you pills that are mind-bending drugs to eat on a daily basis, and people don't ever 
question if this is what's best for them. They just follow blindly of what the doctor says. Yeah, and it's a very scary prospect. I mean, I think if we change the discussion from mental illness to criminally insane, or let's say that the people who are criminally insane should not be allowed to purchase firearms. I would I say for the most part that that already occurs. Is the, the criminally insane can't buy, buy a firearm because if you are criminally insane, chances are you've already committed a felony in your insanity and been committed and let's if we set the bar high enough then we're getting the people that we're really concerned about now will there be some people who slip through the cracks and that brings us to the discussion of do you inconvenience millions to protect against one incident or if you're democratic you do do you turn around and say everyone is responsible for their own actions and it's better that 10 guilty men go free than one innocent man be put into prison if you are a democrat you believe in taking people's rights away if this is the just my reality of what the nation we live in I'd, i'd like to change terms from democrat to statist because i think that there are people who believe in the state on both sides of the aisle regardless oh, i agree and they believe that the the government does not make these kind of mistakes and that the government is the most responsible entity and it may not be the best but it's definitely the most responsible out there whereas i believe that the most responsible entity in existence is the individual and that is a huge difference in perspective shift on where we put our efforts and how we do things if you believe that the state is the ultimately the most responsible entity in existence that changes the way everything you do and everything you think about compared to whether the individual is the ultimate arbiter of what is good for them. Now, when you say the state, you really mean the federal country. I, I mean government in its entirety. Okay. Municipal, state, federal, does not matter. I, I mean a state in the political science sense of estat es moi. You know, so I am the when, state. When you get down to it, the people that are making the laws that we have to abide every day and the judges that are ruling on those laws. But if you in, are the person that believes that this is what's best for you, then you are a statist. Well, statists would say that any individual judge can make a mistake. Any individual legislature can introduce a bad bill. But by the time the entire legislature votes on it, the president signs off on it, the Supreme Court says that it's constitutional. When the entire system involves, then you have arrived at some level of absolute truth. So prohibition was ruled on by the entire Congress, and now call was prohibited, and then they had to go back and strike that out. So at the time it was done, it, it was great, and then it wasn't so great. So where would the statist fall on that? I think a statist would have been right there with Elliot Ness smashing the barrels, and then once it became legal, taxing it and moving on. So they're basically for whatever feels good at the time. Well, they're for whatever the government has the, the political will to do. And that's and but the the underlying assumption is is that the government makes the best choice, right? I mean, the, you as as a statist, you don't stand back and say, "Well, shoot, we see an increase in some sort of prohibited activity. We see an increase in speeding. Well, why don't we, as as an individualist, you would turn around and say, "Well, we're we're coming up on a commercial break, so folks, we'll be back in just a minute to talk about a little bit more about statism." Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So as I was saying before we cut to the commercial, 
as an individualist, you say that there's an increase in speeding. Okay, well, what do we need to do to incentivize individuals to realize that they're creating a danger for themselves? And the first question is, is it really a danger? If enough people say, this isn't dangerous for me because I don't get hurt doing it, is it something that even needs to be addressed? Whereas a statist would say, all right, well, we need to disincentivize it and, and increase taxes and use the tax money to pay for more officers to enforce the law so that we can create more tax revenue and keep people from hurting themselves if they were to get into an accident. So we've gotten to the point here where we go, okay, so that's dangerous, and and this group of people thinks it's dangerous, so we're going to write a law, and we're going to have hire a few more officers to enforce that law, and we're going to charge people fines and fees for breaking that law to cover the and cost. hey we can make money doing this so let's make this law this law this law this law and this law and we don't really need any extra officers to enforce it because we got plenty of those right now so we'll write those and we're going to overload the court system and it's going to take you three years to get a trial in georgia true that's what's happened yeah that that is a lot of what's happened not entirely but a lot of it i mean as we have we have a higher we have a growth of population that we don't offset by hiring more judges, right? Cobb County's population has what doubled in the last fifteen years and yet they've only added two judges. So I mean if you have the same proportionality of offenses over time as the population increases, you have to have twice as many you know, t- twice as many people, twice as many officers, twice as many judges, twice as many prosecutors. They do something here I've never seen before in my life and it's night court. Yeah. And, it used to be a television show. In, in, <laughs> in larger municipalities have done night court. And the reason they do night court is because of They can't fit anybody not they can't fit every ticket they write in between nine and five. No, that's that's not really it. Or is it because the people that are seeing those reading those tickets for the municipalities are working for the county during yes. between nine and five that's, so then they come over and that's exactly it and you run into problems with the attorneys too because uh, a speeding ticket case always comes in dead last right so mm-hmm. if i've got if i got a murder case and i've got a, a misdemeanor drug possession case and i have a speeding ticket case i send in a conflict letter and say look i can't come to anything i go to the murder case so the speeding ticket gets set off six weeks and then we come around to that court date and i say well now i've got my drug case and that takes precedence so the speeding ticket gets set off six weeks and now they say okay well you've had now you're going to come in you say no i've been hired on another case it's another misdemeanor you come last i'm going to go set it off another six weeks and judges and municipalities got tired of this and so they said well why don't we schedule court when no one else does 10 o'clock at night (laughs) well municipal night court usually is at six and that's far enough after regular court that you don't have a conflict. Only the city I'm of Atlanta, seeing this in places that really don't need to have a municipal night court, such as Austell. Well, they do it to keep you away from having conflicts. city of Atlanta went a different way. They schedule their speeding ticket cases for 7.55 in the morning. So now when you write your conflict letter, you have to be at the same time. If it's an earlier time, that case takes precedence. And since they start five minutes before any other court, you, have to, go, on you, right? you have to go down <laughs> yeah. for speeding ticket so we have people in this country that that are writing laws that are supposed to protect us and the laws they seem to like to write right now are our gun control laws especially our, our federal representatives mm-hmm. so they go well you know this back in 1986 they say you know those automatic weapons are really dangerous so we need to outlaw those. And if you have an automatic weapon made after 1986, it's, it has to be destroyed. Or you have to be a police department to own it. And 
this is going to protect everybody, but it doesn't because we still have we have more mass shootings now than we did before 1986. Was there one or two? There was the the post office guy. Well, depends on how far back you want to go. Back in the 30s, automatic weapons were more prevalent in society, and you saw criminals using them more. Then Al Capone. Al Capone, okay. Dillinger. I mean, there was a lot of, of high-profile cases of automatic weapons. But the truth is, is that automatic weapons are not terribly effective in your average kind of robbery. I mean, I don't know if anyone here has ever played with a Thompson with a 100-round drum, but it's not exactly something that you can conceal under a coat and swing around with ease. And it's pretty heavy. It's it's lanky and bulky. and, and Yeah, you're getting up to 18 pounds a gun there. It's big. It wouldn't be. You can conceal it. I mean, from every direction, it's. Well, maybe maybe you couldn't. Well, I mean, okay, we're not talking about <laughs> you. Uh, you have a, a. It's like a game a to you. You like to to conceal the biggest gun you can and try to get somebody to see it. There's been, there's been times that we couldn't find your Desert Eagle. Uh, there's been times when the cops couldn't find the Uzi too. But you know, hey, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. Anyway, um, yeah, they're, they're, I don't think that that law had any bearing on criminal enterprise whatsoever. And then, if you are a serious criminal enterprise, getting your hands on automatic weapons outside of it's the country not a problem with is you. not that big a deal. No, you just bring it in on a boat in the middle of the night into Miami and you're good. So why aren't the big drug cartels having these kind of gangster shootouts like they did in the 30s? Because they don't handle things like that anymore. Right. Now they handle things a little more quietly. With so bribes they, and... Or... You you sleep with the fishes. Well, you know, you're, you can't do that with cops so much, but I think that there's a lot of cahoots going on, if I can use a little bit of an old Western I th- term. I think we've got a, a lot of dirty cops. And and dirty lawyers and dirty judges and dirty DAs. Dirty and, guns and dirty and, lawyers and dirty, dirty money. And, and, <laughs> and some of these big, big towns, you know, you get to Miami, you get to New York, or you get to L.A., and where things are a conduit, trafficking cities. Mm-hmm. I, I guarantee you that instead of going and pulling out a shipment of automatic weapons and getting into a firefight, it makes more economic sense to just work the system yeah yeah so that we have a completely different system than we did then is that an an aspect of gun control laws no not at all no it's just a um it's adam smith at work is what it is it it, it's an evolution of man it's it's a change in the way of thinking at the time people thought that they needed to bully their way around and and right then in the 30s during the the height of the depression they probably did yeah, well, people were, I think people had a lot more character back then. They were, were a little more up. gooder, <laughs> you know, they were a little gooder. more honest. They were a little more genuine. They were a little more caring. And, and that's not just about themselves, but other individuals as well. And, and they understood what it was like to work hard and struggle. There was something of a moral core to society, whether you espoused it privately or not. You at least upheld lip service to it during your public presentation. And it's not like that anymore. Nobody even pretends to be a decent person anymore. Even our politicians can live a double life. They live their their public life and their and their private life, and they, they get be, by with this. You can be foul-mouthed, hateful, mean, subversive all the time, and no one thinks anything of it. As long as you can smile for a camera. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, other than Hillary Clinton, the dragon she, lady. She, she doesn't even have to smile. She can get whatever she wants. I think people feel bad for her because all the chins she has. That woman has more chins than Johnny's phone book. 
anyway, <laughs> on with that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking that, that the world has changed and we've evolved. And I'm not going to say that we have, you know, everybody says, well, our crime rates are higher now than they've ever been. I'm calling baloney. They're yeah, lower now true. than they've ever been. Um, what you have well, is, well, 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 hold on. I'm going to say that we do have more crime than we ever have, but only, we have more laws but than only, we ever had. But only, but not in the major categories. When you start to talk about like real crime, murder rates, crime, murder rates, aggravated assaults, rapes, those sorts of real crimes, I think they're down. But when you start to look at people in prison, it's huge because we're imper- imprisoning people for all sorts of weird stuff. Well, see, just like gun laws, they were there were written Jim Crow laws. There. Drug laws were written the same way, mm-hmm. and those laws were written. The laws that that govern marijuana and and drug dealing were written to to have punishment, so they could lock up minority people. You you want to make sure that you can't get your hands on the ganja, but you can get as much as coke as you'd like. You can go down to the pharmacy and get yourself a glass of it, and everyone's happy. Always Coca Cola. But my point being is. These laws are written to punish minorities, to punish people that are lower class financially. Yeah. And this is it's just more Jim Crow laws on the books and people don't understand that you're Well then why why the gun laws? Because that's not I mean it it hurts minorities. Why the gun laws that we have now? Because our government's afraid we're gonna rise up against them. But we we the the second the Second Amendment was written. So that your average man could own firearms and if he needed to run off and join the militia to fight against a country that was a tyrant. And, you know, when when we left our dealings with the King of England, they said, well, why would we trade one tyrant 2,000 miles away for 2,000 tyrants one mile away? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we've done. Well, you know, think, think Those back. Those 2,000 tyrants don't want you to have a firearm to protect yourself. Think back two years to the, the Bundy Ranch incident i mean do you remember that yeah i think that that has a lot of telling on on the way the government views us as gun owners and the way that we're portrayed in the media and everything else that was a very scary time for me i thought that that was just something beyond the pale anyway we're coming up on a commercial break so we'll be back in just a minute you're listening to georgiacarry.org radio Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So, you know, when we left off, we were talking about some of the broader implications of the gun control laws that have been. I want to bring it back around to talk about the Louisiana shooting. The truth is, is that a person who is deranged and wants to cause havoc is going to find a method to do it. And we are not going to put any genies... (coughs) excuse me, back in the bottle at this point. We're not going to be able to eliminate guns in America, nor would we want to, even if it was magically possible. If you could rub the lamp and and wish for every single gun to be vanished off the face of the earth forever, I don't think that we as a society, as a people, as an individual who believes in freedom and rights would ever wish for that to happen. Instead, we deal with the consequences of evil actors, and the best way to deal with an evil actor is to stop them surely and swiftly in their act. You know, the the guns 
thing in in the United States is only an issue in the past 30 or 40 years. It's only become something people are fearful of in the past 30 or 40 years. And that seems to be around the same time era that our country has gotten out of control with our politicians. I, I would note that when Kennedy was assassinated in 64, there wasn't any talk about banning all of the firearms at that time, even though he was shot with a high-powered rifle from the book depository window or maybe the grassy knoll, depending on your personal bent but looking at it he was shot with a rifle there were no calls for the banning or registration or eliminating of, of firearms however that was when this it took four years before the debate came around to it and then we got the 68 gun control act where they started prohibiting people from being able to buy them uh, without doing a background check but then we had reagan and an attempted assassination on his life and after Reagan was shot at, was he actually shot? Yeah, he was shot and he okay. went into surgery. And Brady was hit as well. Which Brady was? He that's was what press Brady, sec- that's press the guy the Brady Bill comes yes. from, isn't it? He was the press secretary. Uh-huh. He was he was shot, I believe he was shot in the head. And he had severe neurological damage. That his explains wife, why his brain doesn't work properly. But that's well, his, beside the point. His wife runs the foundation, not him. And he went through years of physical therapy to be able to talk and walk normally again. And. My point about Reagan was Reagan was actually shot. Someone tried to assassinate him, and he didn't come out screaming and begging for more gun control. He, but he did sign the the eighty six ban. Did he? Yeah. I just think that the the progress that's been made here is because people are listening too much to the media, and the media is controlled by our government. When we look except at, for us, except for us, and, and they can't stop me. I'll say whatever I want, but the the FCC determines what gets put on the air a lot of the time, and the president reports the FCC which stories that he would like for them to allow to be covered and which ones wouldn't. You know, we see a lot of coverage of black man shot by a white cop well did did anybody cover the white man that was shot by a white cop in bartow county it was yeah. mentioned but nobody rioted yeah that, white that lives was, matter too right yeah that was that was kind of a scary deal the guy went out there with a stick and his boxer shorts and a baseball cap and next thing you know he's dead on the scene i mean he had a couple of prior misdemeanors that is scary stuff that happens on a daily basis but nobody cares that never happens. It only matters and makes national news if when it, has it fits an agenda. someone's agenda. Exactly. That's exactly right. So, but that's that's not just a gun control thing. That's an everything thing. It is an everyday. It is an everything thing. But the gun control thing is in the sights right now because we have a government that's out of control. And the other countries that that started all of a sudden saying, "Give us your guns, we'll take care of you." Look at Germany. Mm. Look at Hitler. Look at Australia. Did Australia's draconian gun control laws stop the shooting at the chocolate factory? Absolutely not. So why? What happened to the Native Americans when they turned in their guns? The United States government. They got happy little reservations. The reservations aren't so happy. They got moved off their land. They've got their villages and homes destroyed. Their women raped and murdered, and driven into reservations down a a path they refer to as the trail of tears doesn't exactly sound like a good time to me Mm. i'll take my guns yeah well it's 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 a scary thing whenever we start to sacrifice freedoms especially freedom for security when we say we'll take care of you that's always a terrifying prospect 
We're not supposed to be the charge of the state or the government. We're not owned by the government. The government is just a reflection of our collective will as individuals. I think in this country, instead of focusing on some of the things we're focusing on daily, we need to be focusing on some different things, like how do we pull the country out of this hole it's in? And I believe the first step into that is to change the the laws regarding who's allowed to be president and state that they have to have come from a family that's in this country for more than one generation. Well, you know, you get into the the whole bloodlines issue, and it gets very tricky. I, I think that we have immigrants who are by far more patriotic American and love this country than people who have lived here for 10 generations. Well, I'm sure I, I have some Hispanic friends that are way more pe- patriotic than that Muslim president we have. Just saying. It's it's hard for me to accept that the president we have is, is willing to hand bombs ever to iraq while making sure iran excuse me while making sure that our military personnel can't carry a gun to work yeah well you know it's all in who do you trust right who do yeah it does come down to who do you trust and and my government sure isn't on that list well the the marines aren't on that list but iran is because you know we, we are a credit to the great satan what can we say oh my gosh anyway I think that there's no way to prevent these these mass shootings. Well, the president admits there's not. He just says that it might have an effect, and that's good enough to try. He doesn't claim that it will prevent them. It just it might. If if it might save one life, then it's worth doing. Well, if I throw a pig, it might grow wings and fly, but it's not real likely. <laughs> I've been having this horrible debate with somebody on my personal Facebook page over the last couple of days about probabilities versus certainties and how you base your life on the two. Is this the whole atheism versus this God is, debate? This is the whole atheism versus God debate. And the the way it ended was, well, nothing you said it disproves the idea that the universe could have been created without of God. And I, I agree. Yeah, there it is entirely possible. It's just not plausible or probable. And that's a lot of what we're dealing with with this sort of argument. This is the this is the logic that permeates all of our political debates now, is that if it's possible, then that's good enough. Well, that's not good enough. We can't live our life based on some remote possibility that something magical happened a billion years ago. Well, see, we've got these, these whole confusions in our language now about possibility and probability. And these two things are not the same. Anything's possible. Anything is possible. It's possible for me to get hit in the head in five minutes and to wake up with a Russian accent. However, it's not very probable. Probability is based on the things that have happened and the likelihood that they could happen again. Right. Possibility is anything's possible. I mean, the the it's possible for the the world to to flip over off its axis and and float out through space. It's possible. It's not very probable. You know, we we deal with what's logical and what makes sense but we look through at it through a framework and i think that that is the problem and in every debate i've had this week that has been the problem is a difference of frameworks if you if you are a a a christian or any person of faith who believes in god that gives you a framework on how you base your life now how you view science through that changes but Mm -hmm. if you do not believe in a creator then how you view the same science changes now did the science in between change no No. but your paradigm did your framework has shifted in such a way that it changes your outcome and when you don't believe in something then you don't have that sort of 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 basis to make the right decisions when you don't believe in guns or individual rights you can't make that sort of connection that guns are good 
we had the same kind of thinking happen with the people that survived the depression in the 30s they all thought banks were bad mm-hmm. and until some of these people passed away they carried um well they didn't even carry it they, they hid their money in a mason jar in the backyard mm-hmm. okay so then when they had children and then grandchildren and and their grandchildren are putting the money in the banks they're like you shouldn't put your money in a bank yeah why are you putting your money in the bank don't you know the bank loses your money they they lose your money and they never give it back and you're like well there's fdic insurance <laughs> and they're like no 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 so it's a paradigm and and, and things that have happened in your life shape how you view the world mm-hmm. so people that were not raised in in a home with firearms and the only thing they've seen is is firearms violence broadcasted on tv they have a different view of how firearms are used than a person that uses them for sports or to protect their home or to protect their family exactly and how do you shift that paradigm how do you get them to believe how you can't argue somebody into changing their belief they have to be drawn and And that's Really what it comes down to is you've got to set an example. You've got to show them through your life and the way that you are responsible and take care of your firearms and how your guns never killed anybody. See, this is the whole open carry versus concealed carry debate for me in a nutshell. Yeah. Because everybody says, well, you should always concealed carry because if you open carry, you're automatically the target. And I, I don't agree that the, the criminal says, well, I'm going to take out the ones with guns first. But I do believe that the, the good guy that carries a gun every day and doesn't pull it out on anybody and just carries it there and it sits there. And it gets people more comfortable being around firearms, even people that aren't used to being around firearms. And if they get exposed to that more and more and more, then they'll start to build up a, a tolerance to it, just like we did to, to homosexuality, to um, di- different things that society is now accepting that they didn't except 20 years ago well you know i'm going to tell you a story um my friend who's on are we we're okay well i'll tell the story some other time we're we're at a commercial break so we'll be right back folks um you're listening to georgiacarry.org radio and now back to georgiacarry.org radio with doug and jesse king Welcome back, everybody. So here's my open carry story. So it was about two weeks ago. My family and I, the kids, wife, everybody, we're all sitting around at Dairy Queen after church enjoying a, a, a blizzard and some ice cream. And lo and behold, my friend Mouse comes in. And Mouse, he's on AR15.com. And you can verify this story with Mouse on AR15.com if you go to the hometown forum and start posting there. But So he walks into the Dairy Queen, and I see him, and he's open carrying. And I see these two guys who look like they're really up to no good following him. And I go up to him, and I say, Mouse, there's got... Those two guys, they keep watching you, and they're following you around. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I don't know what to do. Everywhere I've gone to, they've been following me. And I said, here, quick. And I ripped my shirt off and covered up his gun, and they both shook their heads and wandered off. That's baloney. Those guys were with him. <laughs> anyway. Weren't, so it, weren't those two kind of sketch guys, like, riding bikes with mouths? I'm pretty sure they were. <laughs> and my point is, is that the whole open carry makes you a target thing. When when. When when put in the light of what would happen if that were true, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, folks, if if you're enjoying this show and you listen in every week, we'd ask you to help us get on some more stations. We're here broadcasting Atlanta, and I'm sure you're listening to us online through the georgiacarry.org website. But we could be on a station in your local town, and then you could have access to us all the time. 
And if you're going to talk to your radio station, please send us an email at and radio. let us know that you did. Yes. Our, the email address is radio at georgiacarry.org because we would love to contact the same radio station. Follow up. And discuss with them the perks of having GCO Radio on their station. Exactly. And if you're not a GCO member, you need to be. The easiest way to do it is to go to georgiacarry.org. Look in the right top left-hand corner. You'll be able to see a Join Now button. Click that. 20 bucks a year, you're a member. $500 for a lifetime. If you don't have internet access <coughs> and you're actually listening to us over the air, why don't you go to a local gun show? I know there's one this weekend in Cartersville. There's ones all over the state. You go to a gun show, you're going to find Georgia Carry there. Not only gun shows, but also big events like last weekend's uh, GON Blast. That was an awesome thing that Georgia Carry was at, and you could have signed up there. You can sign up at most of the local festivals. We we hit the Dogwood festivals and the, the big shanty festivals, and any festival we can find, we, we're very festive people here. So we show up, and you can sign up there. And if anything, if nothing else, you can always go to a local chapter meeting. I know there's a South Metro uh, area chapter. There's one in Valdosta. We're getting a North Georgia chapter up and running very soon. So any one of those three chapters would be a great place to swing by and join up with GCO, meet some good people, and, and to get things rolling. The North Georgia chapter is actually up and running. They're going to have their meet and greet on August the 8th, which is a Saturday at 11 a.m. at Jim and Nick's at 5153 Jimmy Lee Smith Parkway in Hiram. Cool. Um, also, the North Atlanta chapter is planning a picnic for sometime in September, but I don't have the exact date on it. Awesome. Um, but we'll get those and, and broadcast that, of course. Um, we also just had a chapter meeting for the South chapter, but I didn't get to attend that one. Right. Well, it's kind of hard to make it to ones all over the state. So, folks, the great opportunities, great ways to join Georgia Carry, and we look forward to you being a member. So, this week, we have the good, the bad, and the ugly. The, ugly. Good, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, boys, the good, good. I, I said in the very beginning of the show, was a little teaser about our, our guys that were um, st- standing outside the recruitment centers with firearms, and I said I was going to talk about what kind of change that may have brought about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the good this week. 70 sign on to Rigel's call for lifting the gun ban. Supported by 70 signatures from the members of Congress, Representative Scott Rigel sent a letter Wednesday to Defense Secretary Ash Carter requesting that he end the Pentagon prohibition of military personnel carrying firearms to and from military installations. Awesome. Uh, the Virginia Beach Republican has argued that our military personnel should be able to protect themselves. This action comes following five servicemen being gunned down by an extremist in Chattanooga last week. And I believe that this change also comes about because of our, our good um, demonstrators who, who are willing to stand outside of those service stations the recruitment and, centers yeah, recruitment and, centers and show a need absolutely um, so that's the good now we've got the bad and the ugly the bad the la times says that we must continue pushing until congress caves on gun control on July 22nd, the L.A. Times suggested that the heinous attacks in Charleston and Chattanooga prove the need for more gun control on law-abiding citizens. Indicated, They indicated that they will continue to push the boulder up the hill and urge Congress to act. They claim that the two attacks justify Representative Mike Thompson, Democrat, California, expected that, right? Right. 
push to expand background checks to cover more sales and provide millions of dollars in incentives to states who voluntary report banned persons. Well, you know, the the media out in California, they've done such a wonderful job of, of getting Californians used to the idea of not being able to own firearms or do anything that I don't know what to even say there. You know, I'm, I'm going to stop here for a second. We were at a, a gun range a few weeks ago. Not I ran us. In, me and you. <laughs> I, I ran into a, a lady from California there who had moved to Georgia because we had better gun laws. Yeah, well, you see a lot of people voting with their feet. It was, it was Big Woods Goods, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, the ugly comes from one and only our president, Barack Obama. He says that he vows to use the last 18 months in office pushing gun control. Now, there is a good aspect to the ugly this week, because the good is there's only 18 more months left of Obama. It's like seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) There is that. But the bad is he's going to use the whole 18 months to push gun control. And he's quoted in saying, the one area where I feel that I've been the most frustrated and more stymied is gun control. Well, you know, given his track record on everything else he's been able to accomplish, I don't know if I should really be that frightened about his gun control plans for the next 18 months. But He pushed in Obama, through Obamacare. Yeah, he barely got it passed when he owned both houses of Congress. Now he's got nothing. What's he going to do now? He was also quoted in saying that America is the one advanced nation that does not have sufficient common sense gun safety laws even in the face of repeated mass killings the problem is is the gun safety laws we do have really don't have anything to do with common sense common sense would dictate that you don't take guns away from law-abiding citizens and hand them over to criminals but that's exactly what our administration likes to do well you heard it here first folks obama's coming for your guns so here's here's my plan of action right i'm sure you're going to get emails from all sorts of gun groups in the next couple weeks saying obama's coming for your guns why don't you give us some money and we'll go fight obama because he's so dangerous and so important instead of spending money on a gun control group or a a gun lobby group who's going to say that they're going to protect your rights for more than twenty dollars a year Join up with Georgia Carey for $20 a year and take the 200 or 300 you're going to send to the other guys and go buy yourself a gun. Amen. And make those gun sales go through the roof before you can't buy one anymore. I think that that's a much better plan. Don't be, don't, don't be bullied. Don't get into the scare tactics. There, no one's going to take your guns away, but let's buy one in celebration. Just go out there and say, Obama, you want more gun control? I'll control this one and keep it in my safe. Thank you very much. That's the way I feel about it, too. As long as it's on my person, I have control over it. Amen. So. Jesse, what do we have coming up in the next couple of weeks here with Georgia Carry Radio? Do we, I know that we've been working hard to get Ed Stone to come on. Do we have some other guests that we're thinking of? I'm considering some things, but I haven't really um, you know got who, them ironed out yet. You know who I was talking to this last week? Who? Was one of the head guys at Pickens County Gun Club. And they are talking about not only coming on to talk about maybe some IDPA, which they do a match there, but also about hosting a chapter meeting. That sounds like an awesome opportunity. So, you know what we've got coming up today, the day the, sh- the show airs? What? Gun show in Cartersville. That's right. Yep. Nothing like a Cartersville gun show. So get on out there and visit the people at the georgiacarry.org recruitment table. And while you're there, support one of our local ffl dealers yeah just just be careful just don't fall through that gun show loopholes it's, it's a doozy be careful if you're trying to buy an 1866 um 
uh, Henry up there, too. That gets to be a little tricky over time. Anyway, we are at the end of our show. So, folks, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio. We'll see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8, right here on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.